what Kerry Sutton actually said was he was prayer and praise chairperson before me and I actually succeeded him. Uh, and he set quite a high bar for me, right? Uh, so it's always great to be serving with Keris. Well, welcome all of you to the 11.30 prayer and praise service, including all of us who are online. You know, I was talking to the pastors, right, before they left for Malacca, and I said, ha, you know, the laity are in charge, so I can say whatever I want. He said, no, you can't. We're watching you. Uh. <laughs> Hi, Pastor Ray. <laughs> Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we thank you, Lord, that every time we gather, you have a word that you want to speak to us. And Holy Spirit, we pray that, Lord, you will just take over this service. That, Lord, every heart here, every mind here, Lord, that you will speak to us in your own special way. So, Lord, we want to open our hearts to you. We want to give you permission today, O God, to say and to do what you want in our lives, Lord. So, Lord, we just commit, Lord, I want to just pray anointing over this whole service. I pray in Jesus' name that any deceiving lying spirit, anything that is not of you, every weapon that the enemy has fashioned against us will not prosper today. We bind it, we cast it out in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, may you and you alone be glorified. May your will today be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this morning I woke up. And I do what I always do on Sunday mornings, right, when I first wake up. I take out my handphone, I switch on YouTube, and I watch the match highlights of the matches that went on last night. I don't know how many of you did that, right? So, you know, in life, uh, there are three kinds of people in relation to football, okay? The first kind of person... uh, it's a person that is absolutely crazy about football. You know. they, they've been supporting this same team from the time they were young until now. You insult their team. Uh, it's like you insult their mother. You know. They get very, very upset. They get very personal about it. You know. And then when their team scores a goal, uh, it's like, wow, like Teo 4D, you know, kind of thing, right? And then when their team loses, they get quiet. I don't even want to talk about it. It's like their pet goldfish kind of died, you know, that kind of thing. And they get all quiet. You know, and then... When their team wins uh, the night before on Saturday night, for example, right? You know what they do Sunday morning when they come to church? They wear their jersey, their team jersey, and then they kind of walk with a bit of a swagger. Have you seen that? I don't know. How many of you know someone like that? How many of you are sitting next to somebody like that? And then there's a second kind of people, right? And that second kind of person is a person that really doesn't too care much about soccer. They have no clue what's the difference between Manchester United and Manchester City. Isn't that the same city? And, and what is Leicester? Is that some cheese or something? You know, they really have no clue, right? And then there's the third kind of people, and it's like me, right? I have no longer any patience to stay up late at night and watch the entire match. So what I do next morning, I wake up. And I watch the match highlights, five minutes, ten minutes, and I just watch the match highlights, right? And I know who wins, and I see all the goals, right? Isn't that what's the most important thing, just to see who scores the goals, right? Oh, okay, maybe not, right? And so, recently, I was watching the match highlights of the 2022 World Cup finals, right? France versus Argentina, fantastic match, right? I was watching the match highlights, and you have seen the match Front, uh, Argentina goes two goals up and they're just kind of like dominating the match, right? And they're just cruising towards a victory. And then on the 79th minute, I believe, France scores and equalizes, right? France scores two goals and equalizes, sending the match into extra time. And then Argentina during extra time, they scored for Lionel Messi. And I was like, whoa, Argentina's going to win, going to win, right? And then France equalizes, sending the match into penalties, 
And you know, penalty shootout are very stressful, even for people watching uh, on TV. It's like worse than your Premier 6 PSLE match kind of thing. Very stressful, right? So I was watching the match replay, and one by one, the players would step up, and they would kick, and some would score, and some would not. And I was getting more and more stressed. Uh. And then I stopped myself, and I said, why am I getting so stressed? This is just a match replay. I already know how the match would end. I already know who would win in the end. And isn't that like what life is? There are times in our lives where we are soaring, where maybe we accomplish something great, you know, in our career or for God, for ministry, and we're soaring. And there are times where we're just down and something happened and everything changes and we're just struggling. There are times where we're in a mountaintop and there are other times we're just in a valley. But can I suggest to you, my friends, right, that if we know how things end, if we know what happens in the end, then maybe we won't be so stressed, right? Then maybe we won't be so stressed. And so today I want to talk to us, right, about what happens in the end. And here I want to move us to the book of Revelations. And as we look at the last few chapters of the book of Revelations, we see many things that happen. But I want to point out five things that happen in the end. The first thing that happens in the end is the second coming. It's the second coming. This absolutely blows my mind every time I, 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 I read it. Imagine, if you will, okay, the heavens open, right? And Christ appears sitting on that white horse, and all the armies of heaven fill the horizon from horizon to horizon, right? Chariots of fire in the sky, angels with wings, right? And the armies of heaven are just descending. The Bible says Christ will come again one day in glory and on honor. And the Bible says that, you know, on his robe and on his thigh will be written the name, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's the first thing that will happen. And the second thing that will happen is that there will be a great victory. Because when Christ comes again, all the enemies of God will just gather and make war against Christ. But the Bible says that He will defeat them. Right? He will defeat them. For those of us who know eschatology, eschatology right, there will be the Antichrist and the false prophet, but I'm not really going to talk about it today. But suffice to say that in the end, all the enemies of God will be defeated. Will be defeated and Christ will be undisputed king. And the next thing that happens is the great reckoning. Imagine, if you will, a great white throne and God himself sitting on that throne and all of humanity, all of us here, standing before that great white throne and the books are open and in these books are written all the things that you have done and I have done. Things we have done in secret, things we have hidden, all these things are written in that book. And we will, the Bible says, be judged by it. But thankfully, there is another book that will be open, and that is the book of life. And in the book of life shall be written the names of all of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we will not be judged according to our works. But if when our names are written in the book of life, the Bible says, we will then spend eternity with God. Beautiful, beautiful picture. And I go on to another picture, the final restoration. And I want to read this because it is so beautiful. In Revelation chapter 21 from verse 1 to verse 4, 
It says, And now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And in verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And listen to this, And God will be with them and will be their God. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Isn't that so beautiful? For so many of us here, some of us here today, we're struggling with a sense of loss, a sense of grief, and maybe something has happened in your life, right? And we're just trying to get over that sense of grief. Well, the Bible tells us that one day Christ will come again and God will make everything new and there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth and He will wipe every tear from our eyes. It's just so beautiful. And the fifth thing that the book of Revelation tells us is the culmination of human history. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. All of human history started in Jesus and all of human history will culminate in Jesus Christ. And so why are we talking about these things? Because can I suggest uh, that if this is true, then there are serious implications about how we live our lives in the here and now. It changes everything. If what I've just read is true and as Christians we believe this to be true, then it fundamentally changes the way we need to live our lives in the here and now. We can't go on living our lives the way we have been anymore. And I would like to suggest four implications of how we need to live our lives. The first thing, the first implication is that in the end, it's only what God thinks that matters. In the end, it's only what God things that matters. It's not what we think. It's not what social media thinks. It's not what the news channels think, right? It's not what all these social media influencers think. It's not what your bosses think. It's not even what your parents think that matters. It's not even what your pastors think that matters. Because when you stand before God and when we stand before God at the end of our lives, it is only what God thinks that matters. And so many of us here today, we are living so preoccupied with our image. We are so preoccupied with preserving our image, how we look on social media, how many likes we get to our Instagram posts or our Facebook posts, and we're so stressed about it, right? Well, at the end of the day, if this is true, and Christ is going to come again, and God is going to make everything new, then can I suggest, my friends, all these things don't matter. All these things don't matter. Every politician, every social media influencer, every news commentator can have their opinion. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, only one person's opinion matters. And that is God's. And so can I suggest this? uh, This means that if we want to get to the end of our lives uh, and not regret, then we have to start living today for what matters. Can I say that? If we want to get to the end of our lives and not regret, 
then we have to start living today for what matters. Bronnie Ware, sounds like a clothes brand, but she was an Australian nurse who spent several years working in palliative care, right? Palliative care is when you care for patients in the last uh, weeks and months of their lives, right? And she wrote a book called Top 5 Regrets of the Dying. Regret number one, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. Regret number two, and this is going to hit harder, I wish I had not worked so hard. Wow, it really strikes to the core of this cancer Singaporeans, right? Wow, piang, 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 right? I wish I had not worked so hard. I wish I had not spent such a long time in the office just churning out until 10, 11, 12 o'clock, churning out that next report, churning out the next presentation, such that I didn't spend time with my family, or I didn't spend time with my children, and I didn't see my children grow up. We're going to get to the end of our lives. And some of us are going to say, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I invested more in my family, in the people that mattered to me. Regret number three, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Regret number four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Regret number five, I wish I had let myself be happier. Now, I, I am not going to discuss today whether or not, you know, these are really the things that are important to us, right? Because for all of us, it's different. But can I suggest this? Uh, can I suggest that the point we are ma- I'm making is this. If we want to get to the end of our lives and we want not to regret, then we have to decide now. We have to decide today what is important. And we have to start living today for what is important. And don't be like that history undergraduate who was absolute, who loved studying about Plato, right? The, the, the Greek philosopher Plato. And he spent the entire semester just studying Plato, his philosophies and all of that. And when he got to the exam and he flipped open the exam question, it said, please tell me about Aristotle. And he was like, oh no, I spent the entire semester studying Plato. And so you know what he did? He had an idea. He said, Aristotle was a great man but let me tell you about Plato. (laughs) You see, friends, it doesn't work that way. If we get to the end of our lives and we have spotted the question wrongly, we're in trouble. Can I say that? We're in trouble, right? And so today, you know, God wants to liberate us. My sense today is this. Some of us here today, we are just living so preoccupied with our, 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 our reputation, with our image. And today, God wants to liberate us. God wants to break that bondage that some of us are under. Right? Because God wants to bring us back to the audience of one that we live for Him and Him alone. It is only His view. It is only His opinion. Right? It's only what He thinks import- is, is important that is truly important in the and William Broden, some of you may have heard this story before. When he was 16 years old, he graduated from high school. He inherited a huge family fortune. He was already a millionaire by then. And then his family gave him a trip around the world. And as he traveled around the world, God placed in his heart, you know, a heart for missions. And he came back and he told his parents, he said, you know, I'm just going to give up all of this and I'm going to become a missionary. And at 16 years old, he gave up his fortune. He opened his Bible and he wrote two words, no reserves, no reserves. 
In his first semester at Yale University, Williams and another friend began a prayer meeting. By the end of the semester, they had grown to 150 people. By the time he graduated, it had grown to 1,500 people. At age 21, he graduated from Yale University. He gave up many high-paying jobs. He turned them down, right? And then he left for the mission field. And before he left, he opened his Bible and he wrote two more words. No retreat. No retreat. At age 25, when he was preparing for his mission work, he became very ill and unfortunately suddenly passed away. And after he died, they found his Bible and they opened it. And they saw he had written two more words. No regrets. No regrets. You see, friends, if we want to come to the end of our lives and not regret, then you and I, we need to make the decision today, today, to live for the things that matter in the end. And in the end, it is only God's, what God thinks that matters. And the second thing, the second implication for us is that knowing the end allows us then to live our lives with that end in mind. You know, pre-COVID, I used to travel a lot for work. And now, uh, as the world's starting to open up again, I've started to travel more and more again, right? And I've stayed in many hotels uh, all around the world. Some hotels are very luxurious. Some are very nice, very posh, right? Some are not so nice, you know. Some are kind of a bit meh kind of thing, right? But you see, uh, if I stay in a hotel and I don't really like the room, maybe the, the bed is too hard or the pillow is too soft or maybe the carpet is too dusty or maybe the painting on the wall is too ugly or whatever it is, right? I don't go out and buy a new pillow or a new blanket or a new painting or a new vase or a new carpet. I don't. Why? Because I know that I'm only going to be there for a few days. And after that, I will check out of the hotel and I will go home to where my home truly is. And isn't that what the Bible tells us? We're all pilgrims on this earth. However long we live in this earth, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, 100 years, however long we live on this earth, that is only a blip. It's only a blip before all of eternity. Before all of eternity. And so, knowing the end and knowing that one day Christ will come again, and knowing that God will make everything new in the end, right, fundamentally changes the way we are to live our lives now. It dramatically changes the choices we make, can I suggest? Right? Because many of the choices we make are short-term. We're only thinking about it. Yes, the implications of the choices that I make is for this life. But what if, can I suggest, my friends, we had to make choices with eternity in mind? our career choices, our relationship choices, our life choices, the way we spend our money. How will this change if we start to think about these choices with eternity in mind? Can I suggest we will make very, very different choices? And I sense some of us here we are on that verge of having to make a choice. Maybe in the next one or two days or the next weeks, right? Maybe it's about what course you want to go to university or maybe it's whether to take that job, right? Or maybe it's whether to get into a particular relationship, right? Or to end a particular relationship. I don't know what that choice that you have to make is. But can I suggest to you today, 
that if we want to live for what really matters in the end and not regret, right, then let's make those choices with eternity in mind. Let's make those choices with eternity in mind. And the third thing, the third implication, right, may I suggest, is that knowing things matter in the end gives our lives meaning and purpose. Meaning and purpose. How many of you listen to Linkin Park? Anyone? Oh, yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand. It's almost like an altar call, right? Now, the younger people are like, oh, what is Linkin Park? Linkin Park is a, is, a, is a rock group, right? I used to love listening to them when I was younger. And I still do, right, nowadays. And they wrote this song called In The End. In The End. Very, very apt for our sermon today, right? Some of you are like, whoa, I know that song, right? Yeah. 1.5 billion views on YouTube, by the way, if you, if, you, if you check there. And this is the words of the song. No? It says, I tried so hard and got so far. But in the end, it doesn't even matter. I had to fall to lose it all. But in the end, it doesn't even matter. You see, the song was based on the childhood of the lead singer, Chester Bennington, who was very badly bullied when he was growing up. And that song was written in 2000, in year 2000. And in year 2001, one year later, Charles Andrew Williams, a 15-year-old boy in Santana High School in the U.S., he brought his father's revolver to school. He shot and killed two students and wounded another 13 others. You see, like Chester Bennington, Williams himself had been very, very badly bullied in school. And you know, when he, in a note written to his father to explain why he did what he did, do you know what he did? He quoted the words of this song because Williams was a Linkin Park fan. And in the letter to his father, he wrote these very words, I tried so hard and got so far, but in the end, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't even matter. I don't know how many of us are feeling like this today. We've been struggling with an area in our lives that we've been praying so hard and we don't see breakthrough. And everything that we have tried, everything that we have done, you know, for everybody, right? We just don't see success. We just don't see breakthrough. And we wonder in our hearts, does it really even matter? Does it really even matter? But you see, the book of Revelations tells us that things do matter in the end. That when Christ comes again, life does not stop when we die. That there will be an eternity with God. Then an eternity with God. And that what we do now, my friends, you and I, has eternal significance. Again, in year 2000, Ridley Scott directed a movie called The Gladiator, right? I don't know how many of you have seen that. In 2001, it won five Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Actor. In the movie, Russell Crowe plays that great Roman general, Maximus Decimus. And the opening scene of the movie uh, is one that I will never forget. It's just astounding, Right, you see the Roman army on the entire, filling the entire hills. They were ruthless, they were well trained, they were well armed. On the other side of the battlefield, you see the barbarians, right? They were disorganized, they were all over the place. It was going to be a massacre. And before the eve of that battle, 
Maximus gets on his horse, right? And he rides across all his, in front of all his troops. And he says these words, these words that I will never forget, right? He says, brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. You see, friends, you may be going through a difficult period in your life right now. But Paul says in the book of Corinthians that these troubles that we face, they are light, they are momentary, right? And they will be nothing compared to the greatness that will be revealed when Jesus Christ comes again. You know what it means? It means that everything that you have given up for the Lord, everything that you have suffered for the Lord, every sacrifice that you have made, right? Everything that you have, every effort that you have put in for God, in the end, it matters. It matters. Because friends, brothers and sisters, what we do, you and I, in this life, this echoes in eternity. In eternity. And lastly, I end with this. You see, knowing that God has determined the end gives us hope that in the end, it will be all right. Can I have the band up here? Knowing that God has determined the end gives us hope that in the end, it will be all right. See, friends, because we already as Christians know how it's going to end, right? We have read it. We have seen it in the book of Revelations. And we know that no matter how difficult life may be, no matter how hard life is, Right, no matter how much turmoil the world is in this point of time, we know that at the end of the day, Christ will come again. That Christ will come again. We know that the enemies of God will be defeated. We know that the unrighteous will be judged. And we know that God will restore all things and make everything new. And He will wipe every tear from our eyes. From our eyes. I don't know where you are in your heart right now, in your life right now. And maybe some of us today, when we were young, we used to hope, we used to dream, and maybe we dreamt of making a difference, making a change. Or maybe we dreamt about seeing revival in our generation, but then life happened, and we got busy, and we grew up, and problems started to come. And those dreams and those hopes now lay forgotten in the attic of our hearts. Well, today God wants to revive again those dreams. God wants to revive again those hopes. Because each of us here, we've been called for a purpose. There is a greater calling in our lives. Our lives have eternal significance. The things that we do now echo through eternity. And the amazing thing is God says that the work that He has begun in us, He will complete it when Jesus comes again. He will complete it when Jesus comes again. I close with the words of this song. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow. And I know who holds my hand. 
Let us pray. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you are here in this place, Lord. Lord, we know your word has gone forth, Lord, and it's begun to speak to some of us here today. And I sense that there are some of us here today, we're just struggling with that sense of hopelessness and meaninglessness. Because we look at the difficulties that we are facing in our lives and there does not seem to be light at the end of the tunnel. But Lord, you are assuring us, Lord, that one day you will come again. Because you have determined the end already. And Lord, we know how it's going to end. That you will be victorious, Lord. And that we will stand with you victorious, Lord. And Lord, today I pray, Lord, for all of us here who are struggling with that sense of hopelessness, Lord, that you will rebirth that hope within us. That as we contemplate the end and what will happen in the end, not only will it give us the strength to live for what matters, but it gives our life meaning and significance. And that, Lord, we know that in the end, it will be all right. So we praise you, Jesus. We worship you in this place. In Jesus' name we pray.